you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. So our first Bible reading is from John 15, 1 to 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The second reading comes from Colossians 1, um, 15 to 20. Give me, bear with me. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile him to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning, church. Um, now before we get into it today, uh, firstly, I'm extremely tired after the week we've had, the carols we've had, um, so I'm probably unnecessarily emotional. Um, but yeah, Stephen, brother, um, firstly, I love you. Secondly, I hate you. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sad that you're leaving, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're following what God's put on your heart, that you're um, yeah, chasing after that. And yeah, I'm full of uh, faith. I'm full of uh, courage that what God's um, got for you in this next season is exactly right for you. It's exactly right for that church um, because yeah, we trust that God is sovereign um, and we're going to dive into a bit more of that today. Um, so yeah, Brother, I love you, um, but I also hate you. (laughs) Hey, uh, if you're joining us for the first time today, uh, as Mike said, welcome. Uh, We're glad you are here. We've been spending the last few weeks going through um, the small but incredibly profound text uh, that was just read out from Colossians 1, those uh, verses 15 through to 20. Our text is a beautiful and awe-inspiring articulation of who Jesus is. It's a, a masterful hymn of praise to our Lord and Saviour. And as I mentioned last week, it should lift our eyes and lift our hearts to behold His glory. 
It's also very helpful for reminding us that we are not the center of the universe, not even the center of our own lives. Christ alone holds that place as the one who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation or the heir of all things, if you like, that by him and through him and for him were all things made, that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Now you'd expect that um, after these incredibly grand words um, that Paul is going on from words like this about Jesus, the one about whom all those cosmic sounding characteristics and qualities are true, that he's going to be the head of the universe, the head of the cosmos, the celestial planes or something otherworldly like that. Uh, the language of verses 15 through to 17 uh, is so high and cosmic and large in scale that my mind begins to picture scenes from like um, the Marvel character Thor, his homeworld Asgard, like just incredible space scenes and giant size and planets all over the place. Like surely Paul is going on from these lofty verses to say that Christ is the head of some sort of great cosmic celestial reality. But Paul says that Christ is the head of the body, the church. The church, this thing, you and I, the millions of brothers and sisters around the world, past, present and future. This institution that has done so much good in the world, but has also caused so much pain. It's this gathered group of scattered sinners. I don't know about you, but it seems a little bit anticlimactic uh, that this thing is what Christ is the head of. Now, our church has had a, a pretty unique year. It's been a trying year with a lot of challenges, the challenges of COVID shutdowns at the start of the year and a lot of people being sick and even being hospitalised. Uh, our church's name thrown around in the media and now two staff resignations. It's, it's a lot and we shouldn't try to gloss over that or pretend like everything's just A-OK. But it's why our text today is so beautiful. It's like a healing balm being applied to a wound or like to make it more relevant for us in Brisbane, stepping into a perfectly air-conditioned room after being in the Brisbane heat and humidity. With the hardships of this year fresh in our ears, listen to these words once again from Colossians 1 verse 18. And he... Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Church, this is good news. It's good news because it doesn't matter how hard things get, it doesn't matter how wonderful things get. The unchanging truth that we can hold fast to in light of good or bad, hard or joyful, is the unshakable truth that Jesus Christ is the head of our church and we can trust him and know that he is willing and working all things to the good of those that love him because he has the authority and the power to do so because he is, and I'm going to state it again, and you're going to be sick of hearing it over and over again, but he is the image of the invisible God. 
He is the firstborn of all creation. All things were made by him and through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's our God church. That's our King Jesus who is on the throne of our church. And so today, to, uh, in order to try and understand what our verse 18 is saying, we're going to go deeper into two of these statements. One is that he is the head of the church, and the second is that he, uh, in everything, he might be preeminent. Before we do that, though, let's uh, pray a prayer together, traditionally prayed on the third Sunday of Advent. O Lord Jesus Christ, you sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Grant that the ministers and stewards of your mysteries may likewise make ready your way by turning the hearts of the disobedient toward the wisdom of the just, that at your second coming to judge the world, we may be found a people acceptable in your sight. For with the Father and the Holy Spirit, you live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. And point number one, he is the head of the church. I wonder what you think when you hear uh, the words, Jesus is the head. Do you think of a, a CEO, a, a pope, um, a prime minister, a president? Maybe given your particular upbringing, it brings to mind uh, the patriarch or the matriarch that seems to run your entire family. Uh, I don't intend to offend any of our bro- uh, vegan brothers and sisters this morning, um, but thinking of this language um, and the relevance that it has to us as the body, the church, I couldn't help but imagine a headless chicken. If you've never seen one, it's quite a sight. Um, I think it's equally terrifying as it is disconcerting. And the idea that a church could be headless is a much more concerning concept. My Greek dictionary tells me that uh, the word that is translated head from the Greek refers to the head of a body or a top stone in a building or by extension, someone or something in the primary place, the point of origin. Now, all these preceding exclamation points of who Jesus is can come into view. Jesus is in the primary place in the universe and therefore in the church, and he is our point of origin. He's the only point of origin for all of creation, and he is the point of origin, the source and beginning of the church. Now, we don't have time uh, this morning to really dive deep into what the church is, um, because the, the focal point of our text this morning is about who Jesus is, that he is the head, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might be preeminent. But it's helpful to know that the church is not a building, especially not a cinema. It's not primarily an organisation, but it is a, a global gathering together of those that God has brought to life through the gospel and united to the Father and to one another as a family of faith for the purpose of glorifying King Jesus through the mission of loving one another and taking the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. It's a very small snapshot of what the church is. And Paul declares that Christ is our head, the one who has the primary place, the one in whom we find our entire satisfaction. In 2 verse 9, Paul says that in Christ dwells the fullness of God bodily. 
Church, Jesus has all that we need to thrive as his body. Paul makes this idea clearer in chapter 2 when he he talks um, about those false teachers in the Colossae church uh, that were holding to other teachings and not to Christ as the head. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, come with me to Colossians chapter 2. If you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you one of these. Um, We have some out of our welcome desk. Go and say hi to our welcome team. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand um, and help you to read it. Um, But I'm going to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 19. Paul is saying here, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This combination of Jewish religious rituals mixed with some sort of angel worship for the sake of finding out more about God in stark contrast to how God has revealed himself to the church through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that these false teachers had themselves stopped holding fast to Christ as the head of the church. They had stopped their contact with Christ. I remember learning the importance of electrical contact when I was in year six. For some young, dumb reason, I thought to find out what would happen when you put a nail in the back of a light globe and turn it on. Turns out nothing happens until I touched it. And I'm not sure what the electrical rating of that situation was, uh, but I know it was painful and I remember the feeling uh, of like feeling strange, but then like thoroughly disappointed that I didn't all of a sudden have superpowers. <laughs> but I learned, do not touch electrical things. Do not touch exposed electrical things. Something happens when there is contact. And Paul is saying that we need to remain permanently connected, contacting Christ as our head at all times. And Paul says that these False teacher became puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. He'd become so called up in this other so-called spirituality and there was no longer keeping his contact with Jesus, who is the head. And the results of letting go of Christ, who is the head, sorry, the results of letting go of Christ for our knowledge of God, for our wholeness, for our real life, is that we end up with a false religion, a fake knowledge of God that has the appearance of wisdom, as Paul calls it. It ends up having no value for our lives or in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It has no power to deal with our sin, to make us like Christ Only Jesus can do that and we must stay connected to him at all times in constant contact with the head of our body. And maybe this 
um, extravagant type of religion might be difficult for us to get our heads around in 2022. We're a whole lot less sort of over-spiritualized um, in our day. And so the idea of angel worship and Jewish um, rituals and asceticism is, is probably really hard for us to understand. But there are certainly many false religions still in our world, many false spiritualities out there, false religions that don't trust Jesus alone for salvation, new age practices that supplant Christ with other idols. But perhaps the most insidious form of false religion, of the appearance of wisdom, is the religion or the worship of the self. Our entire society has become dangerously individualistic. And instead of holding to Jesus as our head, instead of giving him the primary place in every part of our lives, we hold to ourselves. We hold to our intellect, to our capacity to reason and to our identities, whether they be racial or sexual or whatever they might be. We try to find our wholeness in things that you and I can control and decide. Church, understanding this is essential to our endurance as Christians and as a church. Because while I'm excited about next year, I'm excited about what God is going to do through and for our church as we keep holding to him, as we keep trusting Jesus, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, as we keep growing in community with one another, showing the love we have for each other to the world and helping them taste and see the goodness of our awesome God. Um, I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing more people place their hope in Christ be baptized, be brought and welcomed into our family. I'm excited about what God's going to do with our staff team, even if I'm the only one that's excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about what God's doing with our church council, um, seeing more people volunteer in our services uh, and through the middle of the week as we serve on the mission together. Church, I'm looking forward to it. But I think we're all adult enough to acknowledge that things will also continue to be hard. There will be more tough times next year. People in our family will get sick. Relationships will be tested. Sin will continue to cause the hell that it has always caused. And we must be very, very diligent as a church to ensure that we are holding fast to Christ. Not to the prospect of a new lead pastor, as great as that's going to be. Not holding to the idea of a, a new year, a, a new season, a new us, but holding to Christ. Because as Paul says, we as the body need to be nourished and knit together as we grow with the growth that is from God. I, uh, I remember back in Dubbo, where I used to live before moving up here, um, I would randomly do some handyman jobs with some of the tradies in our church. My wife is probably giggling because my name shouldn't be associated with handyman. But anyway, this story is true. Uh, the task that myself and the builder had was to uh, rebuild a, a timber grapevine arbor, something, if they've got that image up there, it looks a little bit like that one. Uh, it was a beautiful big grapevine, um, but it was the off-season, so it was, it was fairly bare. It didn't have grapes and leaves and everything hanging off it. And I remember being so impressed with how little drops of water 
were dripping from the very ends of these vine branches. It hadn't rained recently, it wasn't condensation on the plant, but it was water that was flowing through the branches as it was being fed and nourished by the vine. And this is a a beautiful picture of what Christ does for the church. As Rachel read for us so wonderfully in John 15, Jesus speaks about how the church, the branches, need to abide in Christ, the vine. Grab your Bibles, let's read that again. John chapter 15. verses 1 to 11, it says, this is Jesus speaking, that I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more, that there may be more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in In me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered together, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Just these words of Jesus are so rich and I'm a little bit frustrated that I don't have the time this morning to really dive into them, but uh, thanks be to God, we just heard from Guy that later in this year we're diving into John 15, and I'm really excited about that. But this text is helpful to help us understand how holding fast to Christ, how remaining connected in contact with Christ the head gives us all that we need for our life and for our growth. Just like those branch ends that I saw dripping with water. The church should be dripping with Christ. Those branches were reliant upon the nourishment of that vine. It was the life source. And without it, branches will wither and die. It was easy to see. You would see the ones that had been pruned off and they're sitting on the ground. They're dry. They're empty. They have no life left in them. But as the church holds to Christ, as we abide in Christ, the vine, we are given all that we need to bear fruit and to grow in Christ and deepen our trust in Him. As we continue to learn Jesus, know Jesus, keep His commandments by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus promises that we will thrive. We will grow and we will have the joy of God in us and our joy will be full. And I wonder if off the back of the year we've had, if we really need to just zero in our eyes and hearts on Jesus. 
on trusting Jesus, on following Jesus, on giving every part of our life to Jesus, of trusting Jesus for what our church is up to next year, for whoever the lead pastor is going to be, whatever staff looks like, whatever the building looks like, uh, whatever our mission plans is, wherever we're going in 2023, all of it needs to be laid at the foot of Jesus and all of our trust going in to him because it's the only place, church, that we will find our joy. It's the only place that our joy will be full. We won't find it in any other spot. We won't find it in any other event or activity. We won't find it in any other hope outside of hoping in Jesus for what we need. Like those false teachers in Colossae, we can be tempted to look for our joy, to look for our growth as individuals, and even as a church in practices or beliefs which don't hold to Christ as the preeminent one. It's why we declare the truth of the good news of Jesus each week. It's why we sing about it and why today we're going to take communion together. We're going to be reminded of what Jesus did for us because we're so easily distracted. At this time of the year, even though on paper we know it's meant to be about Jesus, how often do we genuinely give Jesus the preeminence? Do we really give him that place of supremacy, the first place in everything. I know that I often fail in this. It's easy for me to be caught up with taking the time off, like, I've got two services off, y'all. Trusting in holidays for my rest. Trusting in the Christmas break that it will give me the satisfaction and restore me. And I'm not suggesting that holidays are evil. They are a good gift from God for the sake of resting, but I give other things, like holidays, the first place in my heart. And I do that when I cease holding fast to Christ because I'm treating my holidays like they're the answer. This is what leads us to forgetting Christ and puts us in danger of losing our contact with him. How can you hold fast to Jesus this Christmas? As a church, let's... Look forward to a new lead pastor. Let's look forward to a new year and and new opportunities, but let's not give those things the primary place in our hearts, thinking that they will give us wholeness or satisfaction or joy. Individually, let's do this by obeying God's commands. As John 15.10 tells us, we do it by reading and digesting God's word. We do it through prayer together and alone. We do it by gathering at church and during the week to encourage one another in our faith. We do it by pointing one another to the sufficiency of Jesus when we're talking and doing life together. But ultimately, we do it by remembering that we are only capable of holding fast to Christ as we remain in the vine. Verse 5 of John 15 says that apart from me, you can do nothing. We are dependent upon Jesus even for remaining in the vine, even for remaining in Jesus. He is our head. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent and have the first place in all things. Which leads me to my second and much shorter point today that in everything, he might be preeminent. 
The New American Standard Bible translated by saying that Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been quite happily listening to me speak about Jesus being the head of the church. Maybe that makes sense to you. It's probably fairly logical that uh, Christians believe that Jesus is their head, their boss, the, the one that Christians listen to and look to as their example. But maybe the idea of Jesus being the firstborn from the dead doesn't make any sense and just gives you zombie movie vibes. Well, I can rest assured you this isn't what Paul is referring to when he writes this. He isn't saying that Jesus reanimated as the walking dead. No, Paul is declaring that glorious truth that Jesus rose to genuine, proper and full life from the dead. Paul gives us great evidence from this. If you've got your Bibles, come with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says in verses 3 to 8, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Jesus did rise to life. He appeared to a lot of people. He was there in the flesh. He was real. And Paul is saying here in our Colossians text, not that Jesus was just the first person to be raised to life. There are even Old Testament examples of people being raised from the dead, let alone uh, the New Testament examples of Jesus himself rising people from the dead that you can read about in the gospel accounts. But Paul is saying that Jesus being raised to life is the first of those being raised to new life as a new creation. In keeping with the, the grape vine theme, Paul goes on uh, a little bit later in 1 Corinthians to explain that Jesus is the first fruits from the dead and that when Christ comes again for his church, those who belong to Christ, those who are holding fast to him, abiding in the vine, staying connected to Jesus for their life and wholeness will also be raised as he was. And church, this is the beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the great joy that Christians have. A bit later in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains the great hope of Christ's resurrection, saying from verse 53 through to 56, he says, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall uh, it come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of the sin is the law. Jesus Christ, the great King, this great cosmic Lord of heaven and earth, died the death that you and I all deserve. We deserve it because we have rebelled against God. 
we have not loved God as we should and we have not loved our neighbours as we should. But thanks be to God, Jesus took our place on the cross. The righteous dying for the unrighteous. A beautiful exchange where our sins are placed on Jesus and his righteousness is gifted to us. As Paul says in Colossians 1.14, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Just as Jesus has been raised to new life, so will we. As we continue to hold fast, stay connected and in contact with Christ, the head, the source of our life and nourishment, we will be brought by God's grace to new life. As the band comes this morning, church, brothers, sisters, we can put all our hope in Jesus. We as the body of Christ, as the branches can trust that in Jesus as our head, as our vine, we have all that we need for our hope, for our wholeness, for our growing and our flourishing. Let's hold to Jesus and give him the first place in every part of our lives. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that by your grace, we might hold fast to Jesus Christ as our head. May we not trust in ourselves or any other practice that distracts from remaining connected with you. Give us the grace we need to let Jesus be first in our lives. In our bodies, may Jesus be first. In our minds, may Jesus be first. In our hearts, may Jesus be first. In our relationships, may Jesus be first. In our homes, may Jesus be first. In our finances, may Jesus be first. In our desire for knowledge, may Jesus be first. In our marriages, may Jesus be first. In our singleness, may Jesus be first. In our parenting, may Jesus be first. And Heavenly Father, in our church, may Jesus be first, that in all things, Jesus would be preeminent. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.